This is Christine Brown, and while I have to listen to this podcast as my motherly duty, you have the choice not to. My sons sometimes say some naughty things when they're trying to be funny, but really, they're just being stupid. You still want to listen? Go right ahead. I am not your mother. Welcome back to the Page Dynasty Podcast. We've made it to week eight of the 2003 season. Patriots are hosting the new, re-new um, Cleveland Browns. Because they're new, but they're still the same old Cleveland Browns that they always were. Uh, and they're hosting them at Gillette Stadium. And I believe they said this was Halloween, but I didn't actually look up the date on this. They mentioned Halloween, and there was a it bunch of like been. pumpkins kicking around. But yeah, that doesn't make a lot of sense. Um, as you can tell, if you haven't joined us before, this is a very well-researched podcast. Sunday, October 26th, 2003. So it was uh, Halloween weekend. There you go. Week of Halloween, because it's a Sunday. (laughs) We're also really good at telling uh, dates and stuff. Uh, But I am your host, Andy Brown. With me today is Steve Brown. How are you doing, Steve? I'm doing great. Yeah. You're quarantining currently in preparation for the holiday season. Quarantining is easy quarantining for you is easy quarantining yes. with you it sounds like is, is no not yeah as easy. No. quarantining with me is, is probably hell but for me it's <laughs> eat a lot drink a lot of beer and yeah. watch a lot of stuff on tv it's, it's just it doesn't sound like much has changed for you yeah right <laughs> and watch football games from 2003 yeah so you know the huge what do you want to do tonight? I have to watch this nine to three Cleveland Browns, New England Patriots game from 2003. It's going to take a couple of hours. Yeah. I, I was not particularly there. There are, there are some games in this that I'm like, Oh, I can't wait to watch this. And I'll watch it like a few days before I'm ready, you know, and I'll, or I'll like maybe watch it a couple of times. This ain't that. This was one of the, least exciting Patriots wins we've we've witnessed so far I would say yeah it was it was definitely a snoozer a watchability score you want to go there yeah um so I think we've talked about this before uh about how our out of six Lombardies that we give this game in terms of a watchability score um it's usually an inverse of how many punts there were right We've kind of loosely based uh, that uh, we, we've we've noticed a trend. Um, so I'm just going to read you the the drive uh, charts on this and how they ended. Uh, punt, field goal, punt, 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 miss field goal, field goal, and that's the first half. <laughs> so with that being said, and it was the same ending nothing, right? nine to three. That was three three at the half. Three three. So at this game ending nine to three, I will give this one Lombardi what do you out of think six. From a Browns fan perspective, is though, because like they're probably used to that. That's just another day at the office. At least they're not losing forty eight nothing at half. They lost by less than a touchdown. So this has got to be the whole game was in de- in in play the whole time. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I would say one of, big play from the combination Kelly Kelly Holcomb Tim Couch. And right back on top, baby. The the two headed monster. Yes. Of Kelly Holcomb, Tim Couch. Yeah, I would say out of zero Lombardies, they would probably give this a zero. 
I would say out of zero, zero Lombardies, they would probably give all Browns games a zero. I'll give it an AFC Championship game just because the first time you see the Browns. And I have a soft spot for the Browns. Uh, we've seen them. I thought we saw them in 2001. Uh, I maybe not have been on that game at all. Maybe not. It wasn't particular. Uh, that game was only memorable because of how many shots the uh, Browns quarterback took and how vicious they were. And the fact that he lasted the whole game was impressive. Let's see. Let's go to Patriots Dynasty Info and see. Uh, yes, you're right. Cleveland Browns, sixteen twenty-seven. Yeah. Also, not not a, a hugely entertaining game. Um, I think there's a lot of missed opportunities by the Patriots in that, and I think you could say the same in this game. The Patriots were the better team, but not by a lot. By about nine to three, they were a better team. Um, there. <laughs> Let me give you the halftime stats here. Uh, you know, like the Patriots were moving the ball a bit. They had 166 total yards to the Browns 120, of which 50 of those Browns yards came on their last drive. So not great. But on third down conversions, they were a combined. I wrote this down somewhere. They were combined three for 15 on third down. I mean, but let's be real. 45 of the Patriots first half yards came on the first play they had the ball. Correct. So that's what kind of game we're talking about here. But before we get too deep into that, let's let's talk about these Cleveland Browns back in 2003. Um, because like most of the time, these are kind of like these interesting snapshots of these teams that we do. You know, we look at the lines like, oh, this is cool. It's Joey Harrington. But this Cleveland Browns team could be any Cleveland Browns team from the past 20 years. It's true. The coach. I mean, you always look for the names, right? There was one team yeah. played where there was no names on it, and I didn't know anybody on the team except for a couple. Was that the Giants game a couple weeks ago, maybe? Yes, yeah. that's what it was. It was, was it? Yeah. Yeah, it was like Tiki Barber, Kerry Collins, and like that's it. Right. Nobody else. But, yeah, let, let me give you some names from this. This is probably worse. Um, the running back, the, the leading running back was William Green, who finished the season, season, with 559 yards and one whole touchdown. Not good. Yeah. Uh, the top wide receiver, Dennis Northcutt, who the I will receivers say, I did I did recognize. I recognize the names, but I couldn't picture any highlights from any of them in my head. Quincy Morgan. I Dennis vaguely remember Northcutt. the name, yeah. I may have had Brandon his Johnson. football card. Yep. But those were the guys that like you got the football card and you're like, yeah, I recognize him but you know it's not worth anything. They're like the filler cards when you're looking for the Drew Bledsoe's and the right, right. The Drew Breeze's and the, the Brett Favre's. But, but, yeah, so, but Dennis Northcutt players. finished with 729 yards and two whole touchdowns, leading receiver on the team. It's because they were spreading the ball around, Andy. No, it's because their offense was hot garbage. Uh, <laughs> Kelly Holcomb, as we talked about, was technically the quote-unquote leading quarterback of this team. Um but he split his time with Tim Couch. Uh, I think they both had uh, injury issues because I remember they were. Ta- I, I think I got them confused, but I think Tim Couch maybe started the season and then didn't play well, so they put Kelly Holcomb in and he played. No, I think Holcomb less got bad, hurt. and then he got hurt. Yeah, and then Tim Couch came back in, and then, and then right before this, they'd had the the Tim Couch crying game. Right, which we'll get into. But they both they both played eight games. Uh, Kelly Holcomb went two and six. 
Tim Couch went three and five. In your face, Kelly Holcomb. Kelly Holcomb went for 1,700 yards, 10 touchdowns, 12 interceptions. Tim Couch, uh, 1,300 yards, 7 touchdowns, 6 interceptions. So Tim <laughs> Couch was the less worst quarterback because he but won Tim an extra Couch game. and been playing since 99. Like yeah, either. so let's let's do it. Let's. I wanted to get into because uh, I think we've all seen that uh, picture of the Browns quarterback jersey with all the names taped on the back and how many there were. Yeah, I just kind of wanted to dig into that a little bit when we talked about these Browns because we use, uh, I think, the term "factory of sadness" in this podcast maybe a little too much. And we kind of throw it around flippantly because we don't understand what it means because we're Patriots fans. But this, if you, there's literally a Wikipedia page for a list of Cleveland Browns starting quarterbacks because there's so many of them. And I just looked at starting in 2002. Well, let's put this in perspective. I was talking to a coworker from the Cleveland area the other day, and he made note that Baker last year was the first quarterback to start all 16 games since our buddy Tim Couch in 2001. Correct. That's exactly what I was going to say. If you look at this list, um, the list is by season. And yes, the only since 2000, when, you know, Belichick took over the Patriots, there has been one other season where only one quarterback played for the Cleveland Browns. And that was 2001 with Tim Couch. And then and before that, 1991, Bernie Kosar. Yeah, which was <laughs> that was kind of around the time of Belichick being the coach of the Cleveland Browns too. So in I 30, think it was actually right before. Thirty some odd years, they've had three 16 game seasons out of a quarterback. Yeah, and, he, and like you can keep going back, and like none of these are good. The longest starting quarterback in terms of like years. If you don't count Otto Graham being the starting quarterback from 46 to 55, because I mean, even our parents weren't born back then. And where I'm kicking 40s door down, I'm 37, uh, is from 1978 to 1981 by himself. And then he played some more games in 82 and 83 was Brian Sipe. Yeah, no, I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right because I've never heard of this dude. But, yeah. He made the Pro Bowl in 1980, first team All Pro, second team All Pro. He was the NFL MVP in 1980, apparently. Mm. What? Threw for 4,000 yards and 30 touchdowns. Again, this is before our, either of us were born, Andy. Just barely. I mean, I was born in 83, so he was still playing. He yeah, that's three years. You're negative three at that point. This is correct. But all right, so let's start in 2000 then, because th- this is the time frame we know. This is the time frame we're talking about. 2000, Tim Couch, who had been playing since 1999. I think he was like their big draft pick when they came back Mm -hmm. as a team in 1999 was Tim Couch, uh, who split time with Ty Detmer the year before. Uh, Tim Couch started seven games. Spurgeon win. Fucking great name. Started one game. And then, I don't know if you recognize his name, but Doug Peterson started eight games for the Cleveland Browns in 2000. So I went down a little bit of a rabbit hole with this. Yeah, how did Doug Peterson do as a quarterback? Why didn't they give him more of a shot? So, well, here's the thing. Uh, Doug Peterson had been a journeyman up until this, right? Um, He played for, I think he was drafted by the Dolphins, I want to say. Um, 
No, he's a rookie free agent. He wasn't even drafted. He was signed as a, a he was signed with the Dolphins in his rookie year. Then he did a stint with the Packers, then with the Eagles. Um, didn't play a lot, I don't think, with any of those teams. Um, and then, uh, according to Wikipedia, Peterson considered retirement after being released by the Eagles, but instead signed a two-year contract with the Cleveland Browns on September 2nd, 2000. Not a good decision, I feel. I mean, I think Doug Peterson in today's age as a head coach of an NFL team, uh, especially right now with the whole Carson Wentz thing going on, is being criticized for his bad decision-making. I think there's some red flags back in 2000 when he decided, you know what? No, I still want to play. That Cleveland Brown job, that looks like a good idea. What did he do? How did he go as a Cleveland Brown quarterback? Um, Let's take a look real quick. Uh, Cleveland Browns. The Browns backup, Ty Detmer, suffered a season engine injury, and the Browns needed a backup quarterback to start Tim Couch. This is the second time in Peterson's career that he was signed to replace injured Ty Detmer, I'm guessing back in the Eagles. Um, Peterson started as the third quarterback behind Couch in the Spurgeon win until Couch suffered a season and then ending injury in week seven. Peterson started the next six games. Uh, how do you think he went in those six games? How do you think the, the Browns six. did record-wise? It's terrible. Oh, and six. One and five. <laughs> in week 13 game against the Ravens, he was knocked out of the game with bruised ribs and replaced with win. Win started the next week against the Jacksonville Jaguars, but he suffered a seasoning and an injury, and Peterson replaced him. He returned for the final two games of the season, losing both, including a 35-24 loss to his former team, the Eagles, and a 24-0 shutout to the Tennessee Titans. Peterson was released after the season on February 22, 2001, and then he went on to uh, play for the Packers again before retiring officially in 2005. So that's only 2000. <laughs> We have those those three. And that was just like, you know, Tim Couch sees an ending injury. So they bring in um they bring in Doug Peterson who gets hurt. And so they bring in Spurgeon Wynn. He suffers a season ending injury, and then they have to put Doug Peterson back in for them to go one and five while he's there. Yeah, but Tim Couch is number five on the all time game started Cleveland Browns quarterback list. Back on that, Andy. <laughs> How uh, where does he stand on the list of season-ending injuries? But he's got to be he's got to be towards the top of that list too because he. We talked like about he, Greg. Greg talked about this earlier. You got to be bad enough to keep your job. He played fifty-nine games and a three seventy-three winning percentage. That's impressive. He started sixteen games one of those seasons. He also Damn. had the last playoff start in Browns history. Tim Couch. Yes, no, that can't be right. They didn't. Derek Anderson take him to the playoffs in like those seven oh eight. Oh era? no, it's Kelly Holcomb. <laughs> You're just making shit up now, aren't you? That's what Wikipedia is telling me, Andy. Postseason, <laughs> two thousand two. Kelly Holcomb, zero and one. Greg, can we fact check this, please? Nice to see you. Sure by the can. Way. Hey guys, good evening, Stephen. Nice to see you. Good evening. You look like an alien. <laughs> I like your hair, Greg. Thanks. Oh, wait. Let me let me give you the intro you, you deserve. Okay. Oh, no, that's the wrong button. Sorry. Ooh, you got a... <laughs> no, no applause. <laughs> that's new, huh? That's new, yeah. I got a new toy. What else you got on there? <laughs> oh. <laughs> that's the right <laughs> intro. Yeah. And there's another one I'll save for later. One more. 
that you'll have to earn. I feel like the trombone one is very appropriate for the Cleveland Browns episode. Yeah, one of those. That's what we need. Yakety sax, is that what that's called? Yes, it is. Exactly what it's called. Uh, we'll see if I can find some yakety yeah, sax. Yeah, we need a yakety sax sound bite. So, uh, since you're, you're just joining us, we are talking about the list of Cleveland Browns starting quarterbacks. Yes, the 2000 infamous. onwards. Yes. And this list, because I, I like I was saying to Steve, we throw around the term like factory of sadness kind of little loosely because we don't really understand what it means because we're Patriots fans. But this list is kind of a glimpse into what that actually means. Because as Steve pointed out, or his, his co-worker from the Cleveland area pointed out, uh, before 2019, when Baker Mayfield started all 16 games, the last time a Brown starting quarterback started every game of a season was 2001 with Tim Couch. Yes. All right. I just looked it up. 2002 playoffs. Steelers, Browns. Browns yeah, are the sixth. In the snow. Kelly Holcomb. He 26 to like 43. Four, 429 yards, three touchdowns, and an interception. Yeah. Remember, I wore the Holcomb jersey. Yeah. On that podcast from, uh, right by the playoffs. Yeah. Because that was his best game ever. And they gave up 22 points in the fourth quarter to lose 36 33. Yeah. Yeah. It's a crazy game. It was snowing too. I thought they made the playoffs in like 2007. Did they just not make it, but they were, they had a winning season? Am I confusing the two? <laughs> I think I might be. Let's we see. Quarterbacks in fairly... 2007. Derek Anderson, 15. Charlie Fry, one. Didn't Derek Anderson have like one little stretch there where he was like legit? That's, yeah. I think that's that season, that 2007 yeah. season where they were like leading the division for a while. And Derek, because I think, wasn't it Derek Anderson and um, I don't know, some big wide receiver too, and they were putting up like obscene numbers. Like them and the Browns put up like Josh a 54 Gordon. to 50 game. Was it Josh Gordon? I thought it was before his time. It was like Braylon Edwards or something. Yeah, it might be Braylon Edwards. Oh, Braylon Edwards. Yeah, apparently they had a winning record in 2007, but I don't think they made the playoffs. Wow. Then the year after, they get nine games from Derek Anderson, three games from Brady Quinn, three games from Ken Dorsey, and one game from Bruce Gatikowski. Yeah, the wheels fell off. <laughs> I think that's probably – that seems to be the most quarterbacks they started in one season is four. Four starting quarterbacks. They did it back in 88 with Bernie Kosar, Mike Pagel, Gar- Gary count. Danielson, Don Strzok. But 2008 just seems sadder. I'm going to read out the names who I have no idea who they are on this list. Because even like Spurgeon Wynn, I sort of remember him just because his name is hilarious. Yeah. Well, he's he's a he's one of the Brady Seven. Right. Yeah, that's right. He was drafted 16 spots ahead of Tom Brady. Okay, so who is Seneca Wallace? <laughs> Seneca Wallace was Iowa State. He was like a, a speedy, quick guy. Yeah, I think he, he might have been like a converted... He ended up converting to wide receiver at some point. Right? I feel like he was supposed to be what um, Russell Wilson turned into. He wasn't Ken very Dorsey. big. He was kind of like a, a bulky kind of, but he, he could move and he could throw on the run. Yeah, like Greg was saying, his run first. Quarter. Yeah, pretty sure he ended up playing wide receiver in the NFL. Connor Ken Dorsey. Ken, Ken Dorsey was legit in college too. Is he went to Miami. Miami. Guy, the U guy? Yeah. Okay. Oh, that's right. What yeah. about Connor Shaw? 
Mm, no idea who that is. <laughs> Austin Davis. Mm. He sucked. Nope. <laughs> Kevin He's Hogan. Who? Kevin Hogan. Isn't he the wide receiver? He, the he's fairly recent too, I think. Yeah, 2017. Cody yeah, I Kessler. Think he was, he, I think I've seen Kevin Hogan play live. Is that the game where Brady <laughs> came back from the suspension? Uh, Is that that game, really? I think he was starting for the Browns. 2017? Yeah, that would make sense. Yeah, yeah. The one game Deshaun Kaiser didn't start that season. I remember him. He was a high pick. Cody Kessler was a high pick. Johnny I remember Manziel, Cody Kessler. Obviously a high pick. RG3, Johnny Manziel, Josh McCown. The old uh, Redskins quarterback. Brian Hoyer on here. Yeah. Brandon Whedon was a high pick. Thad Lewis. Was it wasn't Brandon Whedon the 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 oldest draft pick? Yes, yeah, yeah. In the league. It was like 24 when he got drafted or something, or like 28 when he got drafted. Yeah, I think yeah. he played baseball for a few years. Yeah, yeah, he did, yeah. Uh, but apparently he wasn't good enough, so he kind of like he got drafted. I, I did a quick Wikipedia search on him, and uh, he basically wasn't getting any playing times. So like, oh, I'll try football. And they got drafted by the mm. Browns in like the first round. Yeah, well, he lit it up at Oklahoma State. Well. I'm pretty sure wasn't he like a Heisman finalist too? Brandon, but Whedon. everybody was like, "Nah, he's too old." Except for the Browns, they were like, <laughs> "Fuck yeah, that's fucking <laughs> first round pick, baby." Yeah. Well, and everybody was like, "You know, Manziel, he's not really mature, and he's he's kind of small, but not the Browns." They were like, "Fuck it." <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Colt McCoy played 21 games as their starter. He's still around. Didn't he start? He a game just like started a game for the Giants. Yeah. Oh, that's yeah. right. Yeah. God, that's 2010, 2011. Colton. He won a game for the Giants. Yeah. Because yeah. there was somebody else playing that week, too, who also won that shouldn't have. Cam sure Newton. Luke, Luke McCown <laughs> and Josh McCown. Uh, I think I could Cade McCown in there. They get a full hat trick. <laughs> the, the McCown hat trick. <laughs> uh, you're missing Jeff Garcia. And Trent Dilfer, though. I mean, I know Jeff Garcia, the old 90s guy. Yep. Mm-hmm. Trent Dilfer, the old Bucks. everything guy. Yeah, yeah Bucks. And he, uh, what is, he's the one that everybody. Oh, no, no, no. I'm thinking somebody else. Doesn't matter. Charlie Fry. Ooh. Charlie Fry, Brady Quinn. But Brady Brandon, was Quinn. Brandon Whedon the one that got caught underneath the flag, the huge American flag? I don't remember that. Oh, do you? Oh. Brandon. Whedon. Well, I got I got some stats on this. Want me to give you some of those? I found a website that's like specifically about this. Okay. Yeah, people it's... getting trapped underneath giant American flags. No. <laughs> about the Browns quarterbacks. All right, hang on. Let me just show you this video, and we'll post it in the show notes too. Because this is. Is it Whedon? It is Brandon Whedon. That okay. was correct. I'm excited. And he was warming up before the game. And uh, experience in the NFL. How about pulling the, the big Wheaton American flag out? Under the flag. Oh, I remember this. <laughs> See, I was telling you about that maturity and that confidence, but he still is a rookie. Now, hopefully, he'll come out of that and uh, be had able to help to start him get out the game. Of course, it'll be a, a while first because the Eagles will get the ball first. They have won the toss. Oh, there he is. Now he's out. Brandon Wheaton. So uh, <laughs> it's like that game he used to play as a kid. Yeah, with the uh, with the parachute. Yes, nightcrawlers. Yeah. Mm. That game used to scare the shit out of me. Really, I used to love that game. Yeah, I hated it. I did enough. Hey. 
So what do you have, Greg? Stats on here? This is an article from 2016, so it might be slightly dated, but um, so the Browns have started more than one quarterback in 15 consecutive seasons, and they've started 26 different quarterbacks since 2000, so that's 16 years. Yep. (laughs) Only six six of those quarterbacks have started at least 16 games in their Browns career. Tim Couch is the only one to start a full season, like you said. Uh, the median number of games started is eight. Oh. Seven quarterbacks have been drafted in the first round. That's the hardest one. Oh, my God. Yeah. Not like the lack of trying. That's yeah. the thing. Um, so here's a question. Oh, here's a good one. Only three of its starting quarterbacks, Tim Couch, Derek Anderson, and Brian Hoyer, have won more than six games as a Brown. <laughs> oh. Oh. Their average QBR is 66.0. <laughs> <laughs> oh here here is a this is probably a good good for baker because like it's wide open for him to be the best browns quarterback ever maybe oh, outside yeah. of auto Graham. well no i mean they had some good bernie kozar like you go i think before they came whatever they call it when they is it an expansion yeah. was, you yeah. know that weird re-expansion All right a reintroduction, maybe. Yeah, Bernie Kosar was five hundred. Yeah, but they, they, they it may feel it was, it was two games five, over five hundred. Well, you know, Bernie Kosar is fifty one percent, and Baker Mayfield is fifty one point two percent winning percentage. So, but like I'm just saying, the bar is real low. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Yeah. So of those names you mentioned, Greg, um, that won more than six games, uh, only Brian Hoyer has a winning record. He's ten and six. No, Brian. <laughs> Love it. Oh, actually, that's that's something funny too. I I saw a website that has it was five thirty eight, mm. and they're talking about um, they have this stat. Uh, it's called yards above backup quarterback. Oh, so man. it's like it it takes it and it says like what your average backup quarterback would be. And like, how many more yards is your starter outputting? So this is since 1999. This is written in 2018. So it's like 20 years of data. Okay. So first on the list, can you guess? Tom Brady. Tom Brady and the New England Patriots. So how do they figure that out when his backups never play? Well, they're just saying what an average backup quarterback. So yeah. So he's 21,000 yards more than an average backup mm. Colts are second because of Manning Saints are third breeze all the people you expect Packers Steelers right um and then you get down to dead last yeah and their average yards above a backup quarterback <laughs> negative 2805 <laughs> average they average 2000 yards less that, well, that's your cumulative, right? Oh, over to okay, all right. Yeah, so it's not yards. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I just summed up uh, the records for Deshaun Kaiser, um, Cody Kessler, mm. and Josh McCown. Mm. A total of thirty-four games. They went one and thirty-three. Ooh. <laughs> 
And they weren't even like that far apart when they were playing either, you know? Right. They're all within five years of each other. I believe I think I'll find it real quick. Yeah, there was a. So the Browns from 2009 to 2017, over nine seasons, nine seasons, almost a decade, won 34 games. This. 2003 and 2004 season, the Patriots will win 34 games. You know, I feel so in two seasons in the 2003 2004 seasons. Yeah, okay. The Patriots will win 34 games in those two seasons if you count the playoffs, right? Which is the same amount of wins the Browns had between 2009 and 2017, almost an entire decade. Yikes. That's the difference we're talking about. So factory, so like I said, we throw factory of sadness around that doesn't begin to explain it. I just feel that people in New England need this sort of perspective right now. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, it's kind of ironic that we're discussing this now that right. the Patriots are all but eliminated from the playoffs. And this and- is officially the first season the Patriots will not have at least tied for the best record in the AFC East since 2000 2000 and, was the last time that happened more ironic tonight the the cleveland browns at nine and three play the ravens who we need the browns to win to keep Correct. the playoff to so keep exactly so this feels serendipitous if you will. Oh, that's a, what a fucking weird year huh if that's not a 2020 then i don't know what is that's what i'm saying yeah the bills are and the uh cleveland browns are both nine and three, or the Bills ten and three now, right? Mm-hmm. Might be. And the Cleveland Browns may also be ten and three after tonight. That's twenty twenty. At least we can trust Jacksonville. That feels nice. There's there's some, <laughs> yeah. There, there there's some light. There's a rock in this this ocean of uncertainty. Uncertainty, exactly. Mm-hmm. Yes. Speaking of uncertainty, these two thousand three Cleveland Browns. All over the fucking map. Um, when I was doing my my research for this, I found a uh, a fun little anecdote for that just I think sums up the Cleveland Browns not just necessarily in two thousand three but generally. Uh, in week two before the game, the Browns were playing the Ravens, and the Browns linebacker Andre Andre Davis A N D R A Davis, who um, was the leading tackler for this Cleveland Browns team with 138 combined tackles, 98 solo, which is kind of a lot. Um, but he telephoned Ravens running back Jamal Lewis before the game and stated he wanted Lewis to carry the ball at least 30 times in their upcoming matchup. Quote, if that happens, it's going to be a career day, Lewis replied. And then Lewis erupted for 295 rushing yards, breaking the previous, the record previously held by Corey Dillon oh, as the Browns fell 33 to 13. I remember that. I remember that game. He ran for almost 300 yards. But not only that, the Browns defense called him up and be like, yo, carry the fucking ball, dickhead. She's like, okay. And ran for 300 <laughs> yards on him. Do it, I dare you. That was week two. And this was actually, like, for the Browns, not their worst season. Yeah, they went five and eleven. They went out with sixteen, didn't they? They won five games. That's not bad. Wait, did the Browns go in six? No, I don't think they did. Right? Not Browns this have... year. They did in like twenty seven. 
2017. Okay, yeah. Something. Yeah, because well, they, it's yeah, Hugh they Jackson. Had two years, yeah. Hugh Jackson won in 15, and then next year they yeah. went 0 and 16. He, yeah. one, he won one game over two seasons. Yes. Yeah. Um, but right in 2003, they were coached by Butch Davis, who the Patriots um, were were 2 and 0 against Butch Davis. Is that his real was, name? Um, I didn't check. Yeah, I'm uh, on on Pro Football Reference. They call him Butch Davis, but my guess Bad is probably. Check. Not. I mean, it's from Paul Hilton Butch <laughs> Davis Jr. <laughs> from Oklahoma, Arkansas. So, dude, Butch is such a kick-ass nickname. Is it though? Yeah, I don't know. From Oklahoma and go to college in our. In I feel our, like if you're from Oklahoma, like everybody's nickname is Butch, <laughs> and I think that that's just like for for the guys who are overweight in middle school. You know, you're just called Butch now. You know what my favorite nickname is? Uh, Fast Willie Parker. <laughs> it's just the dumbest nickname. Yeah, it's not great. It's just describing Willie Parker. He's fast. <laughs> uh, you don't like Air Vince Wilfork? No one called him that. He called him that. They had the t-shirts when he blocked the uh, field goal. Oh, yeah, I remember that. <laughs> Uh, yeah, Butch Davis, um, he was uh, the Cowboys defensive coordinator for the two years before taking over the Cleveland Browns uh, in 2001. And he kind of had a bit of a flash in the pan in 2002 when they went 9-7. and seven. You know, That's when they, they went to that playoff game, right? And Kelly yeah, Holcomb had his, yeah, had, his, uh, had his career game. Um, but then he would go 5-11 and 11 this year, 3-8 and eight the year after that, and would not coach as a head coach in the NFL again. Um, some other good names in this coaching tree um, were Todd Bowles, who was uh, the secondary coach of the nickel package, which I don't know how that's a so specific coaching position, right? Yeah. Um, but he was, you know, one of the many failed yeah. head Jets. Just head call coaches. him what he is. He's an unpaid intern. Okay. <laughs> but even you better. Call him good too. Like, where are we going with this, Andy? <laughs> so, well, no, because it gets even better because his, I guess, boss, the the secondary coach, Chuck Pagano, who. Oh, <laughs> so I think Chucky. Todd Bowles learned a lot on this Cleveland Browns team on what not to do from Chuck Pagano. Um, although I never really saw Todd Bowles run any uh, horrifically planned swinging gate punt formations. So. He wasn't listening a lot, but yeah, oh, Chuck Pagano, say, best known for ruining prime Andrew Luck. And I thought you were going to say horrifically planned teams, which. Yeah, no, he figured that out all yeah. by himself. Um, doesn't take a lot, but for some reason, they, the way they were talking about this Browns team was uh, that they were actually kind of good, which surprised me because they were five. Who were the, who were the commentators, Andy? Hmm. So the first, the, the literally the first shot of this YouTube video is the heads of Dickenberg and Dan Deardorff, and my first notes on this game were, "Oh no, <laughs> just oh no." How many games do you think they've done, and how many most most of the Patriots game? This is what I'm telling you that we're going to have a lot. I like it of Dan Deardorff. I, oh, you want more food talk, Steve? I thought you, you loved it. They ate in their last fucking six weeks of, of games. Like, oh, well, last week we're in, we're, we're doing the Packers game. So they fed us bratwurst. And this week uh, it was uh, 
it was lobster rolls because it's New England and, and they were hand delivered by Robert Kraft. I don't fucking care. Holy shit. This game was boring enough already. You got to sit here and listen to what Dan Deardorff ate. You know, fuck it. Let's get into this. We're, tell me, I mean, tell me how you really feel, Andy. No, you, you, you started this, so we're we're gonna get into Andy, this. Andy, uh, Andy, what did you have for dinner? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I had, I had, I just hate. I <laughs> ate my anger. Um, but Dan Deardorff, I think my problem with him is he tries to be funny. He's not. An unusual concept in this game so far. Someone threatening the goal line. That's. For those of you that forgot in the first half, that's called a touchdown when they get across the goal line. Thank I thought that it was, was funny because there was no touchdowns, Andy. It's not yeah, and funny. It's five it's, minutes left in it's the like third It's like that quarter. guy at work who's like, who wants to be the funny guy but has to try really hard and it just doesn't come off as funny. And I think that's what bothers me the most about him is he's trying really hard but none of it lands. That's true. It is very workplace appropriate humor, which is the worst kind of humor. Exactly. Yeah. Watered down. I mean, and at least with when, Brent when Jones, you get like you get football, not football, and Brent Jones being a fucking goober, and that I can deal with. You know, it's like, all right, he's whatever. You know, or Joe Theismann like walking that line of, yeah, this is borderline appropriate. I want to kiss you, Susie. I think that we might actually get to that game soon. <laughs> But is that a Patriots game? That wasn't Joe Theismann. That was um, that was Broadway Joe. Yeah. Um, oh, wow. he was ship faced. Yeah. 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 Uh, yeah. So, damn fucking Deardorff. I'm yes. surprised they don't say more like, well, I don't know. You guys have to tell me. Do they say like problematic stuff? Because a lot of like, you know, humor has. You watch movies from this time, Aaron, and you're like, whoa, baby. Like, you're getting away with that today. Yeah, it's not that bad, but there's a lot of, like, like poor Bonnie Bernstein in this. Uh, they call her B-squared, which I think is actually kind of a cool nickname. Yeah. But they just kind of, like, talk down to her the entire time. Every time they throw it down to her, they just kind of, like, talk down. Like, she had this cool hat on, and so they cut to her, and, like, she says something actually interesting and meaningful. And then they cut back to the the booth, and the guy's like, "Oh, Dan Deer was like, oh yeah, I think that hat will look good on me." And Dick Emery's like, "No, drop it. Like, this isn't funny. Like, just leave this alone." And he just wouldn't, like, because fucking, he's a fucking meathead. Oh, thanks, Steve. Andy White Knight, and for B Squared over here. Ah, B Squared can handle her own, but like, fuck. <laughs> Something well, else but, is shit on Dan. But Deardorff she's more. a broad, Andy. You know they don't. That's exactly what Dan Deardorff would call her. He'd call her a broad. Not that he would know because it's fucking knows broad. broad she anything. knows football. <laughs> it's a man's game. Yeah. So fuck Dan Deardorff. So that was the fuck Dan Deardorff uh, segment of this podcast. Mm. Um, yeah. There you go. <laughs> Brief uh, applause from the crowd. Oh, you want longer? Yeah. Fuck him. Fuck that guy. Yo, he's a bitch. That's what Dan Dieter needed a fucking yeah. laugh track. Meathead. <laughs> um, I did. Since we're since we're gonna, uh, there's really nothing to talk about in this game because, like I already said, it went punt, field goal, punt, 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 punt. punt. Um, and then the Patriots move the ball 
Brady got sacked on third down. Adam kicked a field goal, but it was a false start. So they moved him five yards back and he missed it. Cleveland kicked a field goal, and that's the first half. 3 3. So there's like nothing else to talk about. Well, there's one other play I can do. Well, they're they're missing their best player. Who is? Cleveland. Kelly Holcomb. Willie Green. Willie Green. They they were. He's a BC product. No, I don't remember him at all. Was he really? He was. I recognize the name, but I I was I used to be hyped on William Green. That might be why I remember him because I remember you hyping him. Yeah. Yeah, he was uh he was a first team all American at BC. No shit. And he, he was uh he was pretty good. And uh remember that that scrapbook thing I have? Yeah. I actually was doing it for the Patriots and Boston College at the time. That's right. I, That's right. A brief fandom of Boston College until I realized it wasn't worth it. <laughs> <laughs> and I was a big Willie Green stand. I, I wonder if like, a lot of uh, brown scrapbooks in that way too. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Fuck this. Yeah. <laughs> it's just not worth it. Uh, he was a good player. At least in college, he was. Yeah, he only played in seven games this season mm. uh, due to injury, but he still had the team in rushing with 559 yards. But he didn't. I mean, uh, he had the misfortune of being drafted by Cleveland, right? So. Yep. Yeah, he was a first-round pick in 2002. 16th overall. Played four seasons with him. Ran Mm -hmm. for about 500 yards a season, give or take. 2,100 yards per, yeah. So, not great. I wonder, it just makes you wonder, like, would any of these players drafted to these... um, factories of sadness would they have been like the next phenom if they had been put in a different position yes definitely like if willie if willie green got drafted by the chiefs instead and ended up sitting a couple years behind priest holmes and priest holmes goes down and now all of a sudden it's willie green's turn does he run for a thousand yards does he run for 1600 yards in a season I mean, we talked about the Broncos. You can put anybody back there, and they'd be successful, right? So, right. Yeah, yeah. You can't. You can't draft seven quarterbacks in the first round in like fourteen years and say every single one of those players is the problem. At some point, it's not the players. Yeah. But it's interesting that none of them really went anywhere else and did anything good. But it's you, almost like once you're ruined in the NFL, you're ruined. Hundred yeah. percent. Yeah. Like I, I think confidence probably plays a big factor in it i think running backs especially too just because their their careers are so short in that position like you're getting four years tops maybe right Mm -hmm. and then you've run ragged it's not like you're not playing so it's not like you can save yourself for a different team who is like who bucks that trend who's the quarterback that was highly touted sucked went somewhere else and then was super good drew Brees. did he suck though yeah he was not great in San Diego. I mean, they, they literally got rid of him for, um, what's his no. name, Philip Rivers, yeah. and just let him walk. I would, like, more recently, Jared Goff. I mean, he didn't change teams, no, but they had a new coaching staff for that first year. I was ready to call him a bust. I was like, this dude blows. <laughs> and then, <laughs> you know, McVay yeah. comes in, and he really turned his career around. That's valid. That yeah, one that's really surprised me. I was like, well, I didn't see that coming. I know yep. it is. Sam Darnold. 
goes to the Patriots, leads us to like three more Super Bowls. The next time, <laughs> oh, that, that would, would be, be amazing. Classic Jets. That would be amazing. Because they're the same type of organization right now, where they're just just chewing people up, and they're sitting here being like, "Oh, Trevor Lawrence, he's gonna fix everything." And it's like, <laughs> you know what? You might have deeper problems than just we're one quarterback away from it. You know? Yeah, I think. Yeah, but even their transcend transcendent quarterbacks can do it, though. Well, Ryan Leaf was supposed to be transcendent, you know? Yeah, but like Joe Burrow did it this year with Cincinnati. He kept them in like games. Yeah, but yeah. Andrew Luck did it. He, he was he went on to a one in fifteen Colts team, and the That's next year they're one. like yeah. in the playoffs. Good point. But I feel like even if, the Colts had a little bit more like. It's true, yeah, the, the Colts had more stuff around them. Luck. Yeah, because That's they had already doing. built that system around Peyton Manning, and they basically yeah. just like suck for year and then plugged Andrew Luck into that. That's my point of like the Jets organization as a culture is what the yeah. Browns. I mean, Browns have actually sort of pulled themselves out of it a little bit. Finally. But yeah, you could say the same about the Lions too. Like the Lions do the same shit all the time as well. Yeah. Because it is a bit of a culture of losing. Not that we know what that's about. No idea. Um, Speaking of losers, uh, head referee in this, Bernie Kukar, not a loser. No. (laughs) You didn't think I was going there, did you? No. Uh, No, you didn't. Uh, But I was very excited about how much effort he put into his hand gestures for uh, calling penalties. And especially when he called uh, chop blocks, he called it twice. He called chop block twice, which I haven't seen like ever. The chop block is where you kind of like cut your arms down to your thighs. And he was wailing on his thighs. Like he did the first time. Like I actually wrote down, I'm like, bet he's got bruised on his thighs from that chop block call. And then he had to do it again. I'm like, boy, he's going to have to ice those thighs because he's such a fucking hardo <laughs> calling goddamn chop block. He was giving it his all. He's, he's like, I don't care if this is a nine to three Patriots fucking Brown slugfest. I'm going to be the star of this show. I'm going to put my all into it. And he showed up for all four quarters, 60 minutes, had himself a game. He's just making sure that people in the upper decks know what's going on. Oh, know? they knew they could, they could hear the, the thigh slaps <laughs> of the, of the, uh, the calls. That could only be a chop block. Yeah. <laughs> I can't quite see what he's saying, yeah. but I heard the slap, so they must have yeah. called chop block. It wasn't a slap block. It was a chop block. Oh, he okay. was chopping away at them thighs. Mm. I can't wait till we get to replacement ref season. That was the oh, best. God. Oh, that's good. Pretty forgot about that. Best. Yeah. See, that's what people don't understand is these guys are the best in the world at their job. And they're, but they're part-time at it though. Yeah, but they're still the best in the world. These guys are like legit. They're like lawyers. They're all, they're not dummies. Yeah. They're and better they're than you high. or I could ever do in a million years. But they're not getting paid like 15 bucks an hour either at part time. Like, yeah, that's true. Part time, yeah. but they're getting, they're getting compensated pretty well. Yeah, but they're not yeah. doing a lot. Like, like, this isn't their full time job. They're not like watching film on their off days. You know, they're just like showing up and they know yeah, the rules and they call them as they see it. But they're, a, they're as good as you can get. I don't know if I agree. I bet I bet there's some college refs that are better. They just don't get the chance because of seniority. You know what I mean? I bet there's some guys that like would do it full time or like gung ho. I mean, there's guys like that in every case, right? Like, like there's, there's, there's is like the one Steve thing, Brown like, of yo-yos. There's definitely some guy out there who's like, I I fucking practice refereeing in my in my free time when I'm not working at whatever the fuck my job is, where I'm watching film and seeing well, what calls all, the referees terrible, missed. You know, terrible analogy because Steve Brown's job is yo-yo. 
Steve Brown is like the grandmaster of yo yo is life. Like, yeah, he's the referee that's what I'm saying. Up to. And for my final point, even if those good college refs did make it in the NFL, you'd still hate them, Andy. Yep. I, I don't I don't hate this guy. You're just saying that. To try I don't hate to Bernie Kukar. Reputation. It's not going to fool me and Greg. We know you too yeah. well. Yeah. I hate I hate one of these when things they, when they call Andy. games too tight. That's my issue. You gotta let them play. Andy, when when it smells like dog shit everywhere you go, <laughs> maybe you should try looking under your own shoe. Okay. Uh, <laughs> fuck yourself. Or your nose. I don't know. <laughs> Next, you can be like, well, you know, he's not that bad. He's he's trying his best. You know, he's just commentating as good as he can. He's in the Hall of Fame. No. No. Absolutely not. <sighs> I will admit that Dan Dudorf sucks at his job. He's so bad. Like I, I maybe he was I better before two thousand. Like the two, maybe he's been doing it for years. I don't know when he started. Maybe this was like his senile days. You know what I mean? Because everybody's had. I mean, who's uh, Dan Fouts at the end too? You know, everybody's like fucking. Everybody hates Dan Fouts at the end because he fell the fuck off. And. uh you know, even you could even make an argument. I'm not going to make it, but I've heard some people say the same thing about like um, Gil Santos and, and Gino Capaletti at the end. There, they were kind of like missing plays and things like that. But I, I think Dan Deardorff is a whole, a whole another level of suck. Yeah, he's just. Uh, it's not even his commentating; it's just his personality. Yeah. I and think you're right about his like, commentating the guy is bad the on top of that. Yeah. Yeah. That's but the there's problem. a ton of guys that are bad that you're like, whatever. You know, yeah. it's like, yeah, yeah. But like he's guys, just, he's just get used to because it's like dope. You, yeah, you know, it. you're watching like some like middle of the road teams that are getting the, the, the JV team. It's like, yeah, all right, fine, whatever. I'll, I'll just kind of tune you out more than anything. But the problem, and the problem with this is that it was always Dan Deardorff for the Patriots games for some reason. And so you just heard him so much and he was so bad every time. It, that's why, that's where the hatred comes from. It wasn't just like an on-off switch. This has been a rock that's been ground down. That, that used to be my heart and it's just, it's slowly calcified over the years. That spot for Dan Deardorff. We, I think we need to get you into therapy, Andy. Yeah. What do you think this is? This is my therapy. Okay. What, we'll have a <laughs> session at the NFL Hall of Fame where you can go to Dan Deodor's bust and just yell at him. <laughs> just slap it around a bit. Mm -hmm. Love it. Well, which Hall of Fame? He's in a bunch of Hall of Fames. You know what? Hall Shut of the fuck up, Rick. <laughs> <laughs> uh, God damn it. Um, but speaking of bizarre incidents... I'm pretty sure we brought that up at some point. Uh, they made a mention of Kenyatta Jones. Wait, 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 wait. Before we move on. Sorry to bring you back to Dan Deardorff, Andy. And we're doing a great Dan transition. Dan is a 2008 recipient of the Pro Football Hall of Fame's Pete Rozelle Radio Television Award. The award given annually recognizes longtime exceptional contributions in radio and television in professional football. You know who gives that out? People who don't listen to the fucking commentation of the games for the past eight years. Who do you, who gives it out then, Andy? That's what I'm saying. People who don't listen to the fucking games. Obviously, I'm extremely flattered on many levels. 
stated Deardorf. First of all, because my close relationship with the Hall of Fame, you know, because he's a big Hall of Fame guy, he's in the Hall of Fame. All right, hang he's on. I, I just need to Google real quick. Him, and then he continues on. Also, I knew Pete Rozelle. I, I, I just need to Google real quick how to kick somebody out of a Zoom meeting. Does this get out of hand? <laughs> he, he actually grew up near the Hall of Fame. That's why he has such a... <laughs> such a what? Finish the sentence. Here we go. It's better. Deardorff noted he has worked on radio or television with six pre- previous winners. Jack Buck, Dick Edinburgh, your buddy, oh. Frank Gifford, Lindsay Nielsen, Ray Scott, and Leslie Vissler. Leslie Nielsen from Nielsen Ratings. So do they have um, like different wings of, of this commentation Hall of Fame? Like um, the, because I, I think Dick Enberg would be in there for um, most miss called um players by number or misrecognized players by number they don't give stats on that andy get Uh, real you know what maybe we'll start we'll start a new website tell you what andy if it makes you feel any better he's from canton ohio which is where the hall of fame is and is so it's an inside job what you're saying it's probably a browns it's home (laughs) cooking oh that's even he's a browns fan you gotta be from canton you gotta be a browns fan no, I, I, he's one of those assholes. Like I'm, I'm a football fan because I'm from Canton, so I'm all about the Hall of Fame. I'm just, I'm just in it for the good players and the good plays. He's that asshole. Twenty-seven years, calling games. See, so maybe he was at the hit, the end of his his rope there. Maybe the first twenty yeah, were fine, he, and we're just getting the last. No, he says ten more years. <sighs> I got nothing. He's, he's just 87th of 2013. I, you're not going to talk me off of this this hill. Like I will die on this hill. <laughs> no, let's, a, actually, let's explore that a little bit because terrible a commentator. Hospital named after Dan Deardorff. A hospital. He got admitted to this emergency trauma center. I guarantee all the signs in that are pointing in the wrong direction <laughs> and are mislabeled. Everything's mislabeled. <laughs> He's in the College Football Hall of Fame, Pro Football Hall of Fame, Michigan Sports Hall of Fame, St. Louis Walk of Fame, and Arizona Cardinals Ring of Honor, Andy. What do you got on your resume? Uh, I'm in the Dan Deardorff Hater Hall of Fame. How about that? That's true. You are. Uh, Speaking of assholes, uh, other than my brother's, they were talking about Kenyatta Jones in this game and how he's no longer. A yes, I looked this up. So did I. Uh, they re- they released him after a quote unquote bizarre incident, according to B squared. Um, and so what happens is, oh, it's kind of weird, and there's not like I did some googling. There wasn't a ton of information about it. Is it more bizarre than Chandler Jones showing well, up I naked that, to um, it's on that level? Okay. So here, Washington Post article because yeah, the exactly. Redskins in classic Redskins moves said, "Wait, this yeah, you were they, on Super they said Bowl this, championship. I know your name, even though you just had surgery on two knees. Got oh, cut wait, 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 for, wait, wait. Let let me read this first, and then you can go into your Redskins rant because you're dead on. But um, so so this is I think maybe the same article that you you found. Um, but it's it says this quote." Jones pleaded no contest, this Kenyatta Jones, pleaded no contest to one account of assault and battery with a dangerous weapon and was issued a continued without a finding ruling in April after he threw hot water on roommate Mark Paul. 
If Jones does not violate his one-year probation and the case will be dismissed, Paul, who suffered second and third degree burns, was sitting on the toilet when he was hit by the water. Jones described the incident as a prank gone awry and said he thinks Paul exaggerated the nature of the altercation for possible financial gain. I was tormented because of a friend and it was a lesson learned, a hard lesson learned, but hey, we all have to learn, Jones said. And basically... (laughs) I got one more quote. I'm glad that, it happened it the way it happened because I could have been a more wealthy guy and he could have went for more than what he went for. <laughs> but no, Greg, it, it was. He he threw tea on his roommate who was sitting on the toilet and it burned him. It was a prank gone awry. Then the prank was, I'm throwing hot tea on you while you take a fat dump. <laughs> it's it's got to be around the time when Jackass came out, right? And that, oh, probably. Yeah, Jack was like 2000, 2001. Yeah. Uh, so to Steve's point, yeah, the Redskins looked at that and thought, yeah, that's our guy. Let's, let's dump well, a fat sack of cash to him. Knee surgery. It's Johnny Knoxville. Yeah, no, he, he hadn't yeah. actually played any games for the Patriots because he was, yeah, he was recovering from knee surgery. Yeah, on both. So, I mean, I think you both remember my jackass days where we, me and uh, Milo stole mom and dad's video camera and film us doing stupid shit. But it was never like throwing scalding hot tea at each other while we're on the toilet, though. What did you do? Can you do you remember them? Um, I the one that I do remember was uh, actually you guys were in it when we had the that huge snowstorm and we had the snowbanks piled up wicked high, and so we rode our bikes as fast as we could into the snowbanks and hit them and flipped forward over into the snow. Remember that. <laughs> Jackass, yeah, right? But that Yo, well, the we thing are is, we were so wild. We recorded that, right? And then I used the camera to record a um a school project on the same tape because it was tape back then, so you had to like reuse the tape. And it just worked out so that like I we recorded the project, and then the next, then it cut to us doing that. And so I finished my project and, you know, we, we play it. I didn't realize that. So I just played it and then like, I didn't stop it in time. So all of a sudden, like there was this like serious project of us doing, I don't know, Spanish project or whatever. And all of a sudden it cuts the three of us riding our bikes full speed in the snowbank, slipping over and giggling to ourselves hysterically. You did that on purpose. I wish I did. That would have been great. Uh... I think you did it on purpose. <laughs> Maybe even subconsciously. You don't think I like, would have you don't think I would have uh, claimed that I did that on purpose? That would have been that would have been too perfect. You've been like you were like, oh man, this was so sick, this jackass so video. Famous. I'm so badass. The whole class that skill, my whole, whole class, class is gonna love this. Yo, and then <laughs> get the mops out because chicks are gonna be so wet. <laughs> we're bringing extra towels to La Classe de Espanol. <laughs> Uh, somebody hit, give the janitor a heads up yeah <laughs> <laughs> we're showing the bike flipping video <laughs> bring your mop and bucket i think boys. every every kid like our age did homemade jackass videos oh yeah and honestly i can almost sort of understand kenyatta jones while you you can sit here and be like that's really fucking stupid so is a lot of shit that jackass did and even yeah. like today's day and age, there's so much really dumb shit that... Yeah, Tide Pods. Yeah. yeah. Like, is that any worse than throwing tea on your body? Yeah. Well, so usually you're, you're ingesting Tide Pods yourself, so you just do that to yourself. But like, hot tea on that's, 
people like especially like, teams. I, I just I, don't understand. Like it was supposed to be funny though. Like how is that funny? There might be more to it. Maybe. Maybe he had like. All right, Greg, make that maybe, funny for here's me. Here's what I think. Workshop. Okay. All right. <laughs> he had peed in the tea mug. <laughs> Put boiling hot water in it and then splashed it right in the guy's, guy's face. No, no, he made tea yeah. out of poop. <laughs> I feel like that would have come out in the court proceedings. That would have yeah. come out in the findings. Yeah. I feel like it'd be a net you a higher charge. <laughs> well, and to be fair, his Wikipedia here says in 2008, Jones was arrested outside a Tampa nightclub after attempting to urinate on the dance floor and then shoving the off-duty police officer who threw Jones out of the establishment. Well, I mean, everyone's been there. Yeah. Throw him out the club. Oh, yeah. I mean, we've all tried to pee on the dance floor, right? Yeah. Because, I mean, you're dancing and, you, and you've been drinking, so you have to pee, and you don't want to stop dancing because that there's no point in that. You're already yeah. out there, so you may as well just let her loose. I get that. And who's this fucking jerk-off trying to kick me out of here? He's Yeah. Right? Oh yeah, no, you're a cop. I'm a cop too. We're all yeah. cops. Show me your badge, dickhead. Exactly. You know where I bet that happens all the time. I'll show you my badge. You just pee on the guy. You know. Yeah. And they they mentioned it. they mentioned it in this uh, game, the world's largest cocktail party. Oh yeah, where was that? What's, I don't remember. What's that? It is the Florida Georgia game. That's right. Uh, yeah. That happens in Jacksonville. I'm pretty sure every year. You have to prepare you have to get a running start or something three days before it's just apparently like i think college football is known for not selling booze in the stadium i found this out a couple years ago actually they don't sell booze inside college football stadiums right a majority of them vast majority so mm-hmm. everyone just blacks out in the parking lot right tailgates are supposed to be pretty crazy and this is that on like the biggest scale because not only can you do it but it's hosted off-site at the Jaguar Stadium, I think. Oh. Call is allowed. And therefore, it's got two of like the biggest party colleges in the South. And right. they just get together and everyone just gets super-duper bamboozled. And they literally mark it as the world's largest cocktail party. Not only not, like not still today. Long. Yeah, not for long. <laughs> you know what they do at NC State is they don't... Well, they just started selling beer this year, but... They would let you leave at halftime and then get you, you had re entry into the stadium. <laughs> that seems because dangerous. Because so many, well, it's even less dangerous if you don't do that because so many people were blacking out going into the game because they're yeah. like, I just got to drink enough to last me these yeah, yeah, four yeah. hours. That they just have tons of blacked out kids. So they're like, hey, hey, blackout at halftime. Yeah. The and then just don't come sucks. back. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I, I bet a ton of people don't come back too, right? I bet that's what it is. Yeah. Yeah. They're like, ah, so, oh, we're getting blown out. Let's get out of here. Yeah. The stadium doesn't yeah. give a shit because they don't have to deal yeah. with that. Yeah. And they already yeah. bought their tickets. So fuck it. Right. Right. Exactly. Yeah. So ridiculous. Money's in the bank. Yep. Uh, speaking of ridiculous, there was a, not necessarily a quote, but they were talking about Butch Davis and why the, um, why he thought the Browns were better on the road because they were actually seven and one in their last eight road games coming into this game. So I think that's why the spread was only passed by four and a half. So basically like plus one and a half over the the home field advantage. Right. Right. And it was, um, it's because they don't get booed as much on the road. Yeah. (laughs) Well, Tim couch, remember we said he'd got booed for, who remember we were saying he was crying. Yeah, this is they, they booed his head injury. Yeah. 
Yeah. So, um, and the, I, the title of this story is angry couch fires back at fans <laughs> <laughs> pissed off sofa. <laughs> yeah. Wow. This time it's not the, the, the couch getting caught on fire. It's the couch giving fire. I mean, honestly, I can definitely get Tim couch. Fuck that shit. Oh yeah. You want to hear his quote? Yeah. yeah. I've been in this city four years now and I've laid it. I've laid it all on the line for them to turn on me and boo me. It's a joke. It's a fucking joke. Oh. I'm lying in the end zone hurt and they're cheering. That's bullshit. That's fair. Yeah, that's totally fair. Having said that, um, they made a, uh, a comment about how Tim couch had a black eye in this game. And it was because a couple weeks before, or actually it was the week before. Um, and I had to like, I just want to, to put this out there, uh, fuck the Sun Journal, sunjournal.com, for making me have to hack their site just to read this shitty article from 2003. Oh, dude. Like, I, Nothing makes me more mad than these fucking sites that... Yeah. So you go there, and, and it shows you the, the article first, and it puts a pop-up. It's like, oh, you have pop-up blockers on, so you turn that off so we can make our money on ads. So I turn it off. I'm like, fine, whatever, great. So I turn it off, and then it pops up another one after that saying, uh, subscribers to our to to our newspaper can read articles like this for five bucks a month. Like, no, I I saw that you showed me the articles. So I had to go fucking hack it and copy it and put it in a word doc. So fuck yeah. them. But the yeah. the title of it is another black eye for Browns, comma couch. Browns quarterback Tim Couch had a nasty black eye on Monday. The San Diego Chargers left a much deeper mark. Couch's right eye was still swollen and shaded in hues of black, blue, and purple. Result of a pregame collision, he said, happened with an unidentified teammate on Sunday. <laughs> so he, uh, but even before the game started, he ran to his own teammate and gave himself a black eye, and then came out and um, put up a thirty point two quarterback rating against the Chargers, the third mm-hmm. worst of his career. Um, and so that's why, uh, with Holcomb improving, uh, getting healthier, he. Uh, wasn't sure he was even going to start. And apparently Butch Davis did, wasn't sure that he was going to start until they made the decision at like noon on game time, an hour before the game started. Not great. Um, but Tim Couch did get the start. Um, didn't play well. Uh, but he was taking a lot of hits. Like a lot of hits. Brown's quarterback, I feel like, always take a lot of hits. This was no different because they said something about how the offensive line... Uh, only the right tackle had started double-digit number of games, and everybody else. I feel that's how the Browns have gotten out of their current their the funk with Baker's. I don't think Baker is significantly better than those other guys, but they like finally figured out that we need to get in you more need than to build Joe an offensive line. Yeah, you know, we, we got Joe right. Thomas. We're good in the O line. Yeah, you know. So yeah, and, and against this Patriots defense, these guys were getting eaten for lunch. Yeah. Vrabel had three sacks, a couple of strip sacks. Richard, Big Richard had this, like the OG Gronk spike after that fumble, fumble recovery. Yep, he did. Big fan of that. Um, but then Tim Couch actually got hurt halfway through yes. the first half. Uh, the Brown, he hadn't done anything. And then Kelly Holcomb came in and immediately led them down the field on the last drive of the first half. And uh, they kick a field goal. They tied at three. Um, but the one other play that I think was worth talking about in the first half was in the first quarter 
on the aforementioned strip sack that uh, Vrabel had that turned out to be another example of the tuck rule going against the Patriots. Cause it was, and, and the, the um, TV crew had this like queued up immediately coming back from commercial oh, where every single Patriots game, man, that shit queued up. Yeah. It's like, Oh, remember this play Patriots fans? Like yeah, fucking when course we did. I thought like I, I, in my head, they outlawed it immediately after the next season, but clearly That's what I had thought too. It just popped up again. But how, yeah. How long did the tuck rule actually last? Before I'm gonna stat check it. Yeah. Yeah. Like before I got over because it was definitely happening in 2003 because they called it and they literally called it the tuck rule. Your boy challenged even called it. Your DRF is like that's a tuck rule. Yeah. 20, 2013. 2013 it got turned off. Wow. Mm-hmm. No way. The tuck oh. rule was abolished on March 20th, 2013 by a 29 to 1 vote of current teams. <laughs> Who voted it's against hard. that? Yeah. Al fucking Davis, probably. Like, nah, fuck it. Steelers <laughs> voted against, and the Patriots and Redskins abstained. <laughs> well, of course, I mean, the Patriots kind of have to abstain, don't they? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I can't believe the Raiders didn't either. That's funny. No, the Raiders definitely voted against it. Remember, we played that clip of the last, yeah. like in 2002 of Al Davis being like, that's some bullshit. Oh, yeah. rule. Everybody yeah. knows that wasn't the right call. You mean that big sheet of leather? Yeah. <laughs> The, the handbag, the sentient handbag. <laughs> but yeah, so that that play is also on um, on pagesdynasty.info. And I, at some point, I'm going to create a uh, a clip of all the the tuck rules that we come across. So whenever yeah. a salty Raiders fans come comes up, we can we can I present them with all the other tuck yeah. rules. <laughs> I can't believe it. But, we're up to three so far. We're only in two thousand three. Still. They didn't lose a playoff game because of the tuck rule. That's fine. But they but like, let's not pretend we're like the ones being like marginalized. We're the grieved party here. Oh, like no. we <laughs> No, but a lot of Raiders fans, especially these days, who like sack on this, Greg. Who were really <laughs> young. Yeah, yeah. At that time. <laughs> Instead we have a Super Bowl. <laughs> they had they had more than that chance to stop us. It wasn't that play that ended it for them. Yeah, but, but that play would have ended it. But it, yeah. yeah, but they had plenty of other times. We've had this stuff. argument a few times. You we've guys had, know where I stand. I know where you stand. One AFC Raiders game divisional championship episode where we discuss this in depth. That's right. TLDR: Greg hates Bill Belichick. Yes, <laughs> and the rest of us recognize his genius. And he hates the refs. And if the I recognize his genius, you mean slob on his knob, then yes, I agree. You guys love <laughs> his genius in and around your mouths. But I can't believe that it wasn't abolished until 2013. That's that's a long time. Plus years after that Raiders game. Because regardless of what you think of the call, it's it's a bad rule to well, have. Yeah, I think it's a, a stupid fucking rule. It's the right call, bad rule. I can't yeah. believe that rule stuck around until 2013. That's insane. Yeah. All right. Speaking of bad, let's throw some best and worse out. All right. Um. Actually, before you that, I I just want to bring up one last thing, uh, and it doesn't really have to do with this game because uh, it has to do with touchdown celebrations, and there weren't any in this. Uh, but they showed uh, highlights of other games. Like you know, they throw it to New York and whatever, uh, and 
one of the touchdowns was finished with a uh, goalpost dunk, which I think got outlawed as a celebration. You can't do it anymore. But that, I think, to me, was one of my favorite touchdown celebrations. I want to know where that where that stands on on your list of touchdown celebrations. Like, like not it's not the pre-planned one. ones, like not the choreographed things, because I think those are. But just like in terms of like, you know, spontaneous mm. touchdown like celebrations. The, that's my favorite. No, the Lambo leap is that, but better. Mm, Lambo leap's pretty good. I like when they do like silly dances, like Victor Cruz's salsa. Oh, that was that was always my favorite. I'll give you that, yeah. And I, there's a lot of players that do like funny dances when they score now, like Justin Jefferson's. I like his a lot. Oh yeah, his is his. There's that little toe tap thing. Yeah, I like seeing them dance because they're all good dancers too. You know, it's true. It's true. Robot like seeing Gronk dance. Yeah. <laughs> it's even better when they're bad dancers. <laughs> you just watch these professional athletes just be horrific at dancing. <laughs> but Gronk has the Gronk spike, which is also epic. Yeah, it's pretty sweet. It's on it brand though? for sure. Oh, it's it, on it's, brand. It's definitely on yeah. brand, but it's just like you know which one I sneaky liked. What? He's gonna come out of left field. The Shane Vereen kicked the door down. Ooh, oh, oh no, it wasn't Shane Vereen. No, it was Shane yeah. Ridley. Rony, no, Ridley. Rony. Ridley. Ridley. Yeah. Ridley. Yeah. yeah. The Randy Moss open the coverage on that one's legendary. Is that what that was? Open the coverage? Yeah. It was from the first Randy Moss touchdown. I know the one you're talking about, but I didn't know that that's what it was meant to be. When he splits the coverage, yeah, Bray just throws Uh, it forever. He just splits the coverage. (laughs) I remember when there was that dude in the stands that like kind of looked like him, but not really. And they showed him on the Jumbotron and the two of them were going back and forth doing it. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, it's wicked funny. You got a YouTube with Steve. Oh man. It's it's absolutely legendary. And Randy Moss is fucking like giggling on the (laughs) sideline. Randy Moss has had himself a good time playing football. Yeah. Just one of those guys. I love it. All right. So now we can do best and worst. I just wanted to get that. Cause I saw that. I'm like, Oh, that's, that's one of my favorites. I was curious what your favorites were. But all right. Um Greg, you want to go first? Sure. All right. I have two bests this week, one Baby. from each team, player okay. of the game. For New England, I'm going with Ty Law. Yeah. We didn't we didn't touch on that. I kind of left that for you. Back from injury. Well, still injured. games again. He, he didn't practice all week, they said. And they decided an hour before game time, yeah, he's good to go, <laughs> which is yeah. so Ty Law. It's like, yeah, fuck, it, I can do this. It's the Browns. And then all he does is go out there and get the game ceiling interception. Yeah, fifty-one after. seconds left. Literally the Six play point after game. the play after the Browns convert him fourth and fifteen to keep it going. Everybody's, and um, here I have the sound for this too because this is. Your boy fucking Dan. Actually, I don't even think it was Deardorff. It was his. Uh... <laughs> Shut up. I'm watching that video. Oh, the... <laughs> it's great, isn't it? All right, you gotta send me the link, Steve, so you can put it in the show notes. <laughs> He's just the most lovable human ever. <laughs> he is. But this this was this was the call on the interception too. It's not over yet. Holcomb hurries his team to the line of scrimmage. Pump fake. He goes long. Oh, there's contact between Law and the receiver. Kevin Johnson, no flag. And Law has the ball. 
So immediately goes to this contact from Tyler, which I love. Uh, uh, but it's a great kick. Watch too. how quickly it's proven. Oh, they love it here in Foxborough, but Butch Davis and all of those watching in Ohio have to wonder, ooh, wasn't that excessive contact? Well, on both sides. It was literally the wide receiver grabbing Ty Law between the two and the four and trying to drag him to the ground, and Ty Law just caught the ball anyway. Just one-handed, yeah, like just, across just, his body pick. Yeah. Unbelievable Backhands ball skills, it, yeah. Ty Law. Oh, incredible. It's just, just incredible. a hawk. Yeah. On a, on a bad leg, by the way. On no <laughs> practice. Fuck mm. it. I'm just going to go out and do that. So, so you that sealed the game. The yep, and that was they, it. They held the Browns to 203 total yards, which is yeah, pretty damn good. Not a great game. But the uh, the Browns defense also played pretty well. Uh, I think yeah, the Browns yeah. defense was their, their uh, strength in the, in, on this team. Yeah, I had something. I didn't know if this was the best or worst. I, it was just like a big old question mark to me. I have a note here. Ben Taylor with 13 tackles, and there's 30 minutes left in the third. That was just that was my Who's my ben? other best. Yeah, Ben Taylor. He had oh, eighteen was... tackles, sixteen Damn. unassisted. Who's Ben Taylor? I don't know, but that's a fucking crazy <laughs> stat line. Yeah. He was all over the place. That's a lot. And like, like, like they're they're point right? like, you know, you put Ben Taylor on this defense. And then some guy Kevin here? Bentley had fifteen tackles. Jesus. It's ridiculous. Like, how many tackles were they tackling? Ben Taylor was the right outside linebacker. And Kevin Bentley was their middle linebacker. So, well, and I think, to be fair, the Patriots were towards, especially, like, most of the fourth quarter, just running as much clock as possible. They're just like, fuck this game, trying to get out. And so I think one of their drives was just like a shit ton of runs. It took like four or five minutes off the clock, which four I'll go next because that, that long Andy in this game, it felt like longer. It felt like 20. <laughs> um, but on that note, uh, I think my player of the game would be Kevin Falk. Um, I had K Falk for MVP. I had that note too, Andy. I'm K Falk for MVP. The, the lead back again, running really well. Inside the tackles, I think he had over 100 total yards. He had like 60 yards rushing, 50 yards receiving, something like that. Mm, it's a bold move, picking an offensive player as MVP in a 9-3 game. Yeah, well, you know what? I'll, <laughs> no, I'll we were talking again. about having a season-long MVP conversation. You fucking yeah. idiots. I'm going to do it again. Ready? Watch this. Daniel Graham, co-MVP of this game. Co-MVP. Yeah. Graham um, had a couple good plays, yeah. This was his second-best game of his career in this game and he had some fucking snags this, this was uh 110 receiving yards not bad for a tight end and like they were play. not easy catches either he had that one play where he was dragging like a bunch of dudes yep so he had one there where he looked like uh an old ben oh. Coates out there just like caught caught a, a a pass in the flat across the middle and just ran through like four or five guys to get the first down they had a couple like down the seam that Brady found him and he just made some nice snags over the top of guys. Hell of a game. And he was basically yeah. the only tight end left on this team because Fourier went down. He kept like coming in and going out again because he was hurt. Um, so he was kind of like the only 
receiving option in this game, really. Like none of the wide receivers did anything. Even Troy Brown didn't have a great game, except for the one play, which might be Steve's best, so I'll leave that. No, you can take it. I have it. All right. So that was great. Uh, there's And it's on the website. Troy Brown, they, the Patriots getting tricky in the fourth quarters. Like, I think it was the drive where they're trying to run the clock out. It was third and two, just inside the Cleveland's half of the field. And Bray's in the shotgun, and he's, you know, like calling out his, his like calling to his receivers, calling out different whatever audibles that turns out to be bullshit because Tyler goes in motion, and as he goes in motion, just jumps under center, grabs a snap, and then runs around left end for four yards for the first down. So reaching those bag of tricks. So even when he's not having a good day, uh, receiving yards and things, he's uh, still contributing in big ways. Which big ways? Four-yard yeah. game? Yeah. <laughs> hey, he took a snap on the center. That, may, that makes him a quarterback, right? Uh, yeah. And now he's played quarterback in an NFL game. So add that to the list. Quarterback, check. Wide receiver, check. Punt returner, check. Kick returner, check. Running back, he's, he's, got a, he's t- taking a handoff. On that draw play that got blown up. Check. And we'll see him play defense. What else you want him to do, Greg? Huh? What you want him kicking field goals too? I want him to be the accountant. I just watched a highlight video of Randy Moss returning a punt for a touchdown. Check. (laughs) Check. Well, I I have a picture here of uh, a Johnny Manziel jersey. And it just says, instead of Manzel, it says, man, we suck. <laughs> Which is, I like that. Check. 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 Uh, no, no, that's more of the wah, wah, wah. That might get some use. But um, yeah, I feel like we're a real legitimate operation now that we have the sad trombone noise. Oh, yeah. yeah. Wait till we get yakety sacks. <laughs> <laughs> podcast is going to the stratosphere. Oh, fuck yeah, yes. All right. So, um, and I think my worst I just had here was probably Bethel Johnson as a wide receiver. He showed why he didn't last very long as a wide receiver on this team because it didn't seem like he had a clue what was going on. There was a couple where I think he was supposed to run a certain route. And Brady like threw an out pattern, and then you just see Bethel Johnson standing there with his arms up, like what? And then happening multiple times, which is kind of I think why a couple of drives stalled out. Um, and then this probably isn't a, a war. This is actually probably a best. Is I'm going to show you this picture, and we will put it in the show notes of um, the last time, or yeah, uh, Bill Belichick when he was a coach of the Browns and his favorite moment was um, beating the New England Patriots in the playoffs. But this is the picture they showed. And the date on that picture? January 1st, 1995. Ooh. And the outfits are phenomenal. They so are. For those who can't see them, I'll explain them. They're both wearing khakis because as you do, um, you know, business casual. It looks like they both have collared shirts underneath Belichick um, definitely does. He's doing that collared shirt over the brown sweater. Yeah, but but the collar the collar itself, it, like the bottom of the collar, is still tucked into the sweater. Yeah, so that's not quite nice executed. Look. And it's this, it's like those uh, old school starter jackets that are the pull. Like um, Belichick has the pullover. Yeah, not even and the it's this it? nice the... brown. It has like the word Browns in script. And then uh, 
uh, Parcells has the one that I think I used to have something very similar to that, like the zip up version, the big puffy one that was the starter jacket that almost looks like um, the Zubaz shirt, the Zubaz pants that the, the Bills would wear. And the haircut on Belichick too is just top notch. So we'll share that too. That's it. That's the Browns' last playoff with 95. Yep. Pretty good. Bill Belichick as their head coach. Still the last time they won a playoff game. So, all right, Steve, what do you got? Give me some best and worst. Yeah, I just thought of a worst is we did we signed Josh Gordon, and I have a bunch of Browns fans that I work with, and the level of like they don't like Josh Gordon is pretty high. Really? Yeah, yeah, they're very anti-Josh Gordon. Why? I don't know. Guess like sort of let him ask. down, unfulfilled potential. But the same, the same kind of thing as booing Tim Couch when he's concussed, you know? Yeah. They may be a little too passionate on sometimes. Fans. I think Bills fans maybe walk that line a little better. I think so. Even Lions fans as well. You know, Browns fans maybe just get a little over their skis sometimes. Mm. But I still love them deep <laughs> down inside. I like that little I, brother who's just not very good at anything. Be like, but he's still my brother. It's cool. Yeah, he's fun to keep around. Wait, which little brother? <laughs> you decide. <laughs> we'll let the listeners decide. Uh, what I'm talking about. Only, only two people on this call have little brothers, Greg. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> Valid point. Maybe we're all just talking about different brothers. Who knows? Um, um the best was um actually inspired by the commentators and good commentator, which I'm sure you're happy to hear, Andy. Uh, Teddy Bruschi got like just made a tackle and got the, the wind knocked out of him. Mm-hmm. And they 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 saw it and they come to like, well, I think Bruschi's kind of hurt. And he's like, he's definitely feeling it. And then right before the snap, they like cut real close to Bruschi's face and lets out the, whew, you know, <laughs> you can see him just be like, holy shit, that hurts. <laughs> and, like right before the snap, he's just like, oh my, he like shakes his head like a half shake. Like, Good God, you know. <laughs> It was really great, like commentating camera work, just to capture that emotion of Brewski being like, "Jesus Christ!" That's very typical Brewski too. Yeah. And then the worst by far is they showed the stat, and I kind of updated it throughout the game. This season, the Patriots are eight for twenty-two in the red zone. Yeah, not good. That's fucking terrible. It's not good. More evidence of like this team is not about the team; it's about to rip off the longest win streak in NFL history. Like that's, that's true. Bismal. However, there were other, there were two other stats that they, they showed as well. Um, 36 was that they still haven't allowed a defensive touchdown in the first quarter since week one. And they had won before this, they had won their last 20 games with the league going into the fourth quarter. So now 20 for 21 games. So defensively they're, they're grave diggers. A shining example. Yeah, exactly. So if, if if you if they take a lead on you going into the fourth quarter, you're kind of shit out of luck. Yeah, but every single red zone possession, only 36% turn into touchdowns. Yeah, that's not great. That's really bad. And this this is the, again, this is the team. Wait, that... I thought they practiced that. Well, we've always said, you know, you know, I think Belichick <laughs> stresses red zone and situation football, especially heavily and you can't, so why aren't they better you at it kick, you can't kick field goals and beat tom brady because they don't have a lot of their starters on offense right now oh 
That and you're starting Bethel excuse. Johnson, who's running the wrong routes. That ends some, some yeah. drives prematurely. And as great as Troy Brown and Kevin Falk are, all of those shifty slot guys get less effective in the red zone. Yep. That's, That's true. But yeah, they don't have that finishing back too, which again, to Steve's point earlier is in the season is why they probably go after a guy like Corey Dillon. Probably because of these, these issues that they have in the red zone. I'm very excited for the Corey yeah. Dillon years. Yeah. Well, coming up soon. But uh, I think that about does this game justice. I mean, we'll use the term game. It might be a little strong for what this was. I shed one more for you, Andy. Give it to me. Yeah, me and Greg were shitting on you when you were like, oh, the high, the high voices and the commentators on certain levels. I heard it on this game. It was on the promos. Mm-hmm. All of a sudden, Dick Edinburgh's voice goes, Exactly. He gets a little Tony Romo wish, just just a little bit. But now that I pointed out, you notice it. Uh, you're right. I'll yeah. give you that. Yeah. I can admit when I'm wrong. It's back. So, uh, oh, and one last thing. I had um, the Patriots the last time New England was unbeaten in October. Before this season, 1978. October has not been kind to this Pages team. But I think they'll do it again this year. So good for them. Nice. But as we go into November of 2003, Monday, November 3rd, Monday night game, baby. Heading to Invesco Field at Mile High Stadium oh. to play Mike Shanahan and the uh, five and three Denver Broncos. It's Brady's house of horrors. Primetime Man, matchup, baby. Trouble. It's trouble. But this is the Patriots in 2003. Don't give it away, Andy. So we'll see what happens <laughs> next week on the Patriots Dynasty Podcast. See you later. See you later. I didn't even give up the phone number. Oh, well. <laughs> 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 <laughs>